You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Father, we love you. We thank you for the freedom and the time to worship you in peace. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Give us insight and wisdom, knowledge and understanding. Give us eyes to see, O God, and ears to hear. Give us your mind so that we can understand what it is you have to say to us. Don't let human wisdom get in the way, God. I ask you to send the Holy Spirit to each heart and each mind. Because therein is the key to understanding. Work in each person, Father, please. Help me get across what you won't said. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Huh? I'm hoarse from praying last night. Seems like we had Holy Ghost and tag. How y'all doing? You doing good? All right. Brother David said I could take three hours if I wanted to. <laughs> I'll try not to bore you. All right? Okay. You came here at your own risk. Didn't you? You chose to came here, come here. Jesus is dangerous. He's dangerous to your flesh. He's dangerous to your will. He's dangerous to the devil in the kingdom of darkness. He's a dangerous fella. He doesn't think like you and I think. He doesn't look like you and I think. He looks. Just because you entrust yourself to Jesus doesn't mean he entrusts himself to you. But you already know that. Or you wouldn't be sitting here. So, let's see what Jesus has to say tonight, all right? I got, now this is a bigger piece of paper than normal. Usually I use a little bitty piece of paper. I'm going to stick this in my back pocket so it don't get too far away. I have something I think the heart of God wants to get across to you. And it might not excite you, but I ain't the one who picks the subjects. Jesus is, so gripe to him. All right, Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> I think I'll talk about Jesus tonight. Does that sound all right? Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17. 
From that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? And why did he preach repentance? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. Some translations and some other places say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that term mean, at hand? You know, they say that the universe is 20 billion light years across and growing at light speed in every direction. And somehow we grope and we grapple and we struggle and something in our subconsciousness says God's way out there on the other side of the universe. But He's not. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close to us. When is it close to us? Just when desperation is singing? Or when the conference is going on? And people seeing Jesus? Uh, or in Brownsville when there's a revival going on and a million people get saved and, and, and they stand in line for hours to get into the church six days a week? Is that when it's at hand? When is it at hand? From the time he wrote it till the time that what he wrote passes away. When is that? Never. When Stephen was being stoned, what happened to him? His eyes were opened and he saw heaven right there. Because it's as close as your hand. It's not far away. The fire of God, by its nature, always burns. It never goes out. It never fluctuates except to get hotter. It's at hand. And so, I want you to do away with this thing that makes you think that God is far away. He's not. He's right here. Where two or more are gathered, there He is in the midst. Emmanuel, God with us. God among us. God around us. Not just in us. And there's a difference. Because, you know, when Jesus shows up as Emmanuel, number one, he don't show up to take sides. He shows up to take over. And that's what you want, isn't it? Don't you want the windows of heaven open? The window's just right there. It may not be open all the time, but it's right there. So let's talk about tonight the nature of Jesus. What is it that's imminent? What is it that's here? What is it that's at hand? What is it that the fire of heaven's burning? We've got all kinds of people that have studied revivalism. 
and they try to reduce to a formula how to get God to break out among us. And so you read books on it, and you read the testimony of what happens, and you read people's assessment of how it happened. And I'm here to tell you that that idea, what they give you, is that makes you think you've got to do certain things in order to get God to pour itself out. The fire of God burns for a little while, and it always burns out. And we're left with some sad residue, a memory that makes you look backwards. I'm not looking backwards. I'm looking forward. The fire of heaven's always burning. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is near. He's not far away. So we have to get that. But when you carry yourself in, how many of you have been saved most of your life? Raise your hand. For you, you are in the most danger. Because you can become immune to the presence of God if you don't watch it. It's easy for you to settle for church. It's easy to be churched again rather than be born again. Jesus is real. And let's not settle for a putrid man-created institution that says otherwise so I give you permission to be free Jesus is at hand alright so that's about as positive as I can be tonight <laughs> because the Bible says repent and we think repentance is a negative word it's not your pride that wants to say all kinds of things about that. But there were 88 people that repented last night. That is a positive thing. That is the greatest thing you, t you can do is to realize that your nature and your pride always drives against heaven. And Jesus is always saying, the kingdom of heaven, it's near. If you want me to let you in, you must repent. We got to change. Your carnal nature is a factory that produces wickedness. That's how come there are fruits that the Holy Spirit's presence produces in us. One of them is self-control. Why? Is there self-control? Because there is something there that needs controlling. That's why. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Is near. Now look at what it says in verse 19a. In my Bible, it's read. Jesus says, first, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at near. And then he says, follow me. Not follow man's ideas. Follow Jesus. 
John 5, 39 and 40 says, You diligently study the Scripture because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Man's idea is we think diligent study is what gives us Jesus, that what teaches us about Jesus is, is what allows us to find Jesus. It's not diligent seeking is what leads us to Jesus. This book is not God's Word. It is the Holy Scripture. It is inspired. It's infallible. It's right. It's the truth, but it's not God's Word. Jesus is the Word. He's alive. John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm not saying you shouldn't read the Bible. But let's get straight what the Word is. The Word's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. His name is Jesus. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth. What is it? What is the truth? There you go. It's Jesus. But most people think the truth is information. Did you know that? I'm excited. The truth is not information. The truth is a spirit, the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. The spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit of God that sets you free. Can information set you free? No. But information is easy. Studying the scripture is easy. Studying theology is easy. Hell constantly works at widening the road. But it's impossible to widen the road. The road is narrow. Jesus is narrow-minded. So am I. See, look. First you repent. Then you follow. So what does this fellow look like that we're supposed to follow? What does his nature consist of? I think it's a fair point, don't you? Don't you reckon we ought to know something about the guy we're trying to follow? All right, let's take a fresh look at Jesus tonight, why don't we? Just a few things about him, all right? Y'all doing okay? Don't be nervous if I walk up to you and look right at you. I'm not mad, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, thank you. See, look, Matthew 7, verse 13. I feel Jesus in here. <laughs> oh, I might not get through this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Any attempt to make it easier for people to believe is an attempt to widen the road, and that's not possible. The wide road is the road to hell, not to heaven. What, what are you going to get from me coming in here and telling you you're fine the way you are? You're not fine. Neither am I. We're wicked inside. The only good thing is the presence of Jesus. He's the only redeeming quality we have. We're not fine. But He loves us. He died for us. But it, he is God, we are not. Y'all listen to Missionary Fire and you'll know what I'm talking about. Let him be God. You know, Peter tried to instruct Jesus one time. What happened to him? He got rebuked, didn't he? Don't try to instruct Jesus. How much time do you spend praying and seeking and worshiping God, trying to convince Him to work your plan for your life? He's God. He's Lord. Hi. How are you? What's your name? Jameson. I'm Britt. Nice to meet you. All right, if I have fun. All right. Good, because I'm on anyway, whether you want me to or not. Did I read this yet? Oh, yeah. The way is narrow. Jesus' opinion is the only one that counts. The world tries to value open-mindedness. My mind is not open except to Jesus. And I don't care anything about being seeker to the friendly or friendly to the seeker or however you call it. What I worry about is being friendly with God. And that's what we need to worry about. We need to let Jesus fill us with love and compassion so that when we stand next to somebody, the presence of Jesus comes on them and the presence of the Holy Spirit comes on them and the Holy Spirit. Because if you, you're the temple of God, a carrier of His presence. And if the Holy Spirit is there, really, really, He'll get on the pagans around you and will convict them of their sin. Because that's one of His jobs. But you can't have the presence of the Holy Spirit if you're not following Him. So let's just make sure we're not on the wide road. Let's make sure we're on the narrow one. The narrow way. You can write that down for a title. Y'all like your titles. First Corinthians chapter one. What is Jesus like? What does he do? 
How does he interact with us? First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-seven. This right here is easy for stupid people to get, and really hard for smart people to get. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. What is He saying? He's saying we don't think like Him and He don't think like us. And He's saying... We are in desperate need of who He is. So, when you deteriorate into your thinking, you always get in trouble. We are not pushing Jesus. We are not supposed to be beside Jesus. We're not supposed to, certainly not supposed to be in front of Him. We're supposed to be following Him. And what He says is... He has a certain way of doing things, and it's his way or the highway, and the other highway, where does it go? The hell. You're not supposed to tell people they're going to hell, Brother Britt. Why not? Jesus is going to ask me why I didn't tell him the truth when I see him. I've seen him a few times. He, when he asks you a question, he ain't looking for information. That's what you need is an encounter with the real guy. Don't you want it? Now, see, I'm getting lost here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Luke chapter 4. This is the temptation of Jesus chapter. I'm just going to read some stuff and make a few points, and then we'll be done, all right? Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? How many of you are full of the Holy Spirit? Go ahead, that's not a trap. I think most of you are. <laughs> That's right. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Does your Bible say that or something like that? What happened to him in the desert? He was tested, wasn't he? So, we're going to repent. Why? Because the kingdom's near. What for? So we can follow Jesus. And where are we going to follow him to? One test after another after another until you're perfected. That's what happens when you get full of the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into 
the desert. We want the green pastures. I like them too. Grass, it tastes nice. The shade is nice. Peace in life. The peace that passes understanding. He gives you that. But we have this thing. We want to escape. We want heaven now. We can't have heaven now. Sorry. We are in for one long series of trial, persecution, suffering, and trouble. If you follow Jesus. Because you see, Jesus, he's fixing to start his ministry. Where did the Holy Spirit take him? All right, so he goes through this famous thing. He's got all these, he's got this fight with the devil. He didn't eat or drink nothing. He got hungry. That's natural, right? So see, there's a natural thing going on here. But the unnatural part was he passed all the tests. And so you follow Jesus. He's going through all the tests. He's fighting with the devil. He wins everything. And I want you to see how many of you want the power of God in your life. Everybody shouts, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I got the power of God in my life. We just had a little girl raised from the dead the last day of December. Two and a half years old. Jesus, the one I know, lives. But look, I want you to see, did you buy the right Bible? Is verse 14 in there? Read it. What does it say? And Jesus returned to Galilee after going through what and where? Through the uncomfortable, not-headed fight with the devil, Jesus returned to Galilee. What? In the power of the Spirit. He went out there filled with the Spirit. But just like you are, you filled. But unless you go out in the desert, you cannot return in power. And you know, I heard preachers... I grew up in church too. I don't remember not being saved. I remember repenting, but I was a little bitty fella. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was 11. And I was a fire out of control from that day to this one. And I heard people, preachers, come through and they talk about suffering, and it made me mad. I just figured I could beat the system. Well, I ain't figured it out yet. Jesus couldn't beat. Put it back up there. Jesus couldn't beat the system. See, if you want to try to beat the system, that means you've jumped on the wrong highway. Don't it? Okay, so what's going to happen? You're going to repent. Why? Because heaven is imminent. And then what happens? What gets you to heaven? Following who? Jesus. Now where's he going to take you? into the desert suffering John chapter 11 
Let's just see if this is not consistent. Let's see if we can find it anywhere else. Boy, this is hard to try to get these people excited to tell them they're going to get the stuffings beat out of them their whole life. Wow. <laughs> that don't make no sense. No kind of sense. That's what proves it's Jesus. Because that's not wise. That's not how to build the enrollment for the furnace. <laughs> The death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now we know the story, right? This fellow died, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus got the message before he died. And we get all upset at God because we start praying when the situation is not bad. It goes from bad to worse, and we're telling Jesus how bad it is. Hurry up and come do something, for, do something about it while there's time. We want out of this, God. And He is all about mercy and compassion. The power of God is all about alleviating demonically inspired suffering. He is. We see all kinds of miracles that, that deliver people and set people free and give them peace and give them life and give them, give them health and, and, and help them in life. But... The Holy Spirit taking you into the desert is something entirely different than the devil afflicting your life. Jesus will stop the demonic affliction. And Jesus will transform your nature. But He will do that with the rod of the desert. So Jesus found out now look what it says. Lord, the one you love is sick. He was still alive. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in, end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation where Jesus didn't show up when you asked Him to? Some of y'all are liars. I don't see every hand going up yet. Why does He do that? Is it in the character of the guy we're following not to respond when you think He ought to? He waited. What happened when He waited? Did the problem just stick in the, the state of suspended animation? What happened? It got worse. It got impossible to fix unless 
You are the resurrection and the life. You see, it's about us getting who Jesus is, and it's about heaven. It's not about this world at all. Pray, seek God, believe and expect instant response, but you can't be mad at Him when He waits a few days, or weeks, or months, or years. How come? Because He is God. You are not. That's why. See, look. Verse 11. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going over there to wake him up. See, when you follow Jesus, and you really got Him, He can do the impossible and does and likes to because he loves you. Because why did he wait? It says this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He waited till nobody could cast any shadow of claim because he's the one not us so what's going to happen you're going to repent why are you going to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at at hand it's near and then you're going to do what follow Jesus where are you going to follow him to the desert And things are going to happen. And you're going to talk to him about it. And he's going to wait and not show up yet. Is it in the Bible or is it not in the Bible? Golly, this is hard to make y'all feel good about that. But you've been lied to. You've been shown a Jesus that doesn't exist. He's made in the image of man. That one has no power. That's how come that doesn't work. But when you encounter the real one, what it says in the book happens. I am a witness to that. I have seen Jesus. He lives. I've talked to him. He lives. I've seen him raise the dead. He lives. I am a witness. You don't have to read about a book from somebody who died a long time ago. I'm a witness. It's okay to believe. But you got to follow the right one if that's the Jesus you want. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Okay, Jesus feeds the 5,000 between verse 13 and verse 21 here. Dramatic miracle. 
Have I ever seen that? Oh, yes. We see that. Food multiplication. It's cool. <laughs> I'm getting lost. Yeah, it is. What am I trying to say here? Uh, okay, look what it says in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Does that really say made? We think we have a choice. But if you repent, why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And follow him, you don't have a choice. He will make you do what he wants you to. Or he'll kick you out of the kingdom. Does it say he made him get into the boat? All right, what makes you a good disciple? To do what Jesus says, when he says, how he says, where he says. All right? These guys were good disciples, so they did what he said. All right? Now, what happened to them? He says, get into the boat and go, on to, the, go, go to the other side. What did they find out there in the middle of the lake? Huh? Well, is it in your Bible or ain't it? They found a storm. Ding, 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 ding. You get the prize. They found a storm. Who sent them into the storm? Reckon that caught him by surprise? No, he knows everything, don't he? He knows everything. He knew about the storm. He made, yeah, he made the storm. It was a setup. You know how come? Listen to me, you guys. We got to get this. Are you listening? The problem is the opportunity for faith. Without the problem, there will be no need for God to rescue you. And then there's no setup for Jesus to show off. He said, uh, that whole thing with Lazarus was a setup. It says it right there. How come it's going to be that way so that Jesus, the Son of the living God, gets glory? And so he sent them out there in the boat, reckon, wondering what they're going to do. Only one of them did something extraordinary, Peter. And I can't talk about that message. Talk to Brent Parsley and get that message. Maybe he stole my message. He's been talking about that. The problem, the storm, is the setup. It's the opportunity for extraordinary things. It's the fertile ground that faith grows in. Adversity. Without adversity, there is no growth. There is no building of strength. There is no learning of obedience without adversity.
It's the opportunity. Why is there a gift of healing? Because there's sickness. You think it's comfortable for the person that's sick with a disease that's destroying their body. It's not. It's horrible suffering. But that disease, that problem, is your opportunity to do something extraordinary. If you repent because the kingdom of heaven is near, not far. And if you follow Jesus, where? Into the storm. Do you see it? Don't you see it? Is it in the Bible? If it ain't in your Bible, throw that in the garbage and go get one that's right. See, verse 24 said, the wind was against them. You ever felt like that? The wind was against your life. 